Today, the big Kakuna. Ash goes head to Kabuto in his first Pokemon battle, and how Team Rocket ruined my life. Let's go. This is Original Pokemon, the inside story behind the classic seasons of the Pokemon TV series from the man who helped make it happen. Now, here's the original Pokemon himself, Michael Hegney. Thank you for coming back to this fourth episode of my original Pokemon podcast series, in which I attempt to remember how I adapted the original seasons of the Pokemon television series into English, why I did what I did, uh, why I might be forgiven for some of those things, and a few of the things I knew at that time or that I've learned about the series that you may not know. I've just received an emergency Pokemon bulletin from Malik McLeod. Uh, Malik wrote me an email. I've been in touch with him about the podcast, and he has created a YouTube video called The Full Story. It's about the making of the English dub of Pokemon. And uh, I can't say I agree with the uh, title of Malik's video. Uh, A short video like that could hardly tell the full story. And there may be reasons why many of the people involved with the original dub do not want to tell the full story or may not know the full story. (laughs) And I will leave it at that. But Malik tells me that I said something in episode two of my podcast that is untrue. Well, he didn't exactly say that. In episode two, I claimed that, to my knowledge, Roger Parsons, aside from the voice of Pikachu, the original Japanese actress, was the only person who has appeared in every episode of the series. And technically, that statement is true. To my knowledge, Roger was. But Malik has informed me that Roger was not the voice of the narrator in seasons 6, 7, and 8 of the series. And I double-checked this. Uh, Malik told me that Mike Pollock, with whom I've worked many, many times, and Mike is a great guy, and I checked with Mike, and he confirmed this. The reasons for that change and the circumstances surrounding that change are shrouded in, uh, well, they won't exactly say mystery, but uh, they're certainly shrouded. And uh, who am I to lift a shroud? Ooh, that's creepy. But on with the show. This episode, Challenge of the Samurai, starts out with a recap, going back to episode one, talking about how Ash got Pikachu and how they were attacked, etc., I've seen these recaps criticized online somewhere. I don't remember where. Somebody wrote that 4Kids was assuming kids weren't smart enough to remember what happened earlier or something. But the recap is in the original Japanese version, at least in this episode, though I added a bit more narration for the kids who may not have seen the previous episodes. One unusual thing here, there's actually a bit of narration later during the actual action of the show. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to find an English subtitled version of this show, so I don't know what the Japanese narrator is actually saying. The toughest things I had to adapt for this series were the Japanese puns and plays on words, which, you know, just don't translate. But even tougher were the visual puns or gags that had to do with language. And we have the second one in the series right here at the beginning of this episode. 
The first one was in episode one with Pikachu showing his teeth. I already explained that one in the first podcast, which uh, you should go to listen to again because it was really magnificent. But here, episode four opens with a wide shot of the Viridian Forest, and we hear a huge scream. And the picture cuts to inside the forest, and Ash and Pikachu and Misty are up in a tree. Ash asks Misty, what's wrong now? And Misty screams in the Japanese version, Mushi, Mushi, Mushi. Now, Mushi is Japanese for bug. So when she says this, Ash sighs, and they cut to this kind of anime limbo shot in which Ash, in a cow costume with a big grin on his face, delivers his gag. He says, Ushi, which is cow in Japanese. Mushi and Ushi being the play on words there, which, of course, makes sense in Japanese, but no sense in English. In my version, Misty says, I think I see another bug. And Ash sighs, no flaps. Four Kids wasn't editing stuff for flaps or things like this. So what I wrote for Ash to say was, maybe it's a cow terpee, because he's dressed like a cow, and Caterpie was the bug-type Pokemon Misty freaked out over in the previous episode. Maybe a better solution would have been to cut this sequence, but as I said, 4Kids was only cutting certain kinds of violence at this time, or editing violence. Now, I've read a little bit of the criticism for the supposedly lame, bad jokes I added to Pokemon, uh, which is a matter of taste, uh, partially, uh, I guess. And I'll take the rap, not the Poke rap, but I'll take the rap for bad jokes or jokes that deviated from the original because some people really hated that I even did that, added any kind of jokes or changed what was originally there. But I'm just not sure what else I could have done with this particular situation. You know, you have Ash dressed up like a cow, which seems to come totally from left field if you're an English speaker. If you have a better, funnier suggestion, email me at originalpokeman at gmail.com, and uh, I'll mention it in a an upcoming podcast. Anyway, Misty, at least, doesn't appreciate the Cowderpee joke, and things get worse right away as they spot a Weedle. Misty wants Ash to make it go away, but of course Ash is excited to have another chance to capture a new Pokemon, so Ash calls to Pikachu to have him weaken the Weedle so Ash can catch it. But they cut to Pikachu, who's in a sleeping bag, and he turns over, totally uninterested in helping Ash, and both Misty and Ash react with this kind of splayed-out, body-freeze, comic-reaction take with a boing sound effect. I think we see this kind of comic take a lot through the series, and I'm guessing there's an official, if you want to call it that, term for this kind of comic anime take, but I haven't been able to find a Japanese term for it, or even an English term for it, so again, if you know what it is, email me at originalpokeman at gmail.com. Ash is embarrassed by Pikachu's indifference and, I guess, disobedience, though I don't think I got exactly the right read for that kind of reaction from Veronica. I blame myself for that. But Ash gets a little smug and cocky as he boasts that he has Pidgeotto and Metapod to use, and they'll give him the respect he deserves. Misty's sort of superior and aloof here. She says Ash deserves to have his head examined. 
But her attitude changes when the Weedle starts rubbing up against her leg. And what happens next is a common anime gag. Misty and the background turn blue, which is, the, I guess, the Japanese equivalent of turning white. She instantly freaks out and runs away. I have to say the Weedle voice is a bit of a mystery to me. Looking back at this episode after 24, 25 years, I tried to identify the voice of the actor who revoiced the Weedle. It doesn't sound like anybody I recognized, and I don't think it was me. It doesn't sound like Carter, even though he would have been the likely or the logical person for me to have used because he was already in the studio voicing Samurai. But I recently found out that the Japanese name of this Pokemon is Beedle. And the way the Japanese actor says it kind of sounds like it could be that. So I guess we left the original, or I left the original. I gotta be honest, I'm not sure I knew that this Pokemon was saying Beedle at the time. So maybe that's a mistake, and maybe it's not, I don't know. So Ash decides to use Pidgeotto to battle the Weedle, and again, when Pidgeotto comes out of its Pokeball, the scenes with quickly flashing lights were redone from the Japanese version. As I've mentioned in previous podcasts, neither Nintendo nor 4Kids wanted any problems with triggering bad or epileptic reactions to the flashing lights that they had had in Japan. So for the American version, they darkened the whole scene and kind of stepped it frame by frame and slowed it down and made the flashing much less intense. While Pidgeotto battles the Weedle, Misty has stalked off, grumbling about how this forest is filled with slimy, disgusting Pokemon. And suddenly she hears something. She turns and out jumps a young boy dressed like a samurai warrior. And she finds herself at the point of his sword. This character, who identifies himself as Samurai, was voiced by Carter Cathcart, who was also the voice of Gary Oak. He was always billed in the episodes I was involved with as Jimmy Zoppy. Don't know why. Anyway, this Samurai kid who speaks very formally, supposedly I had him speak like a Samurai would have. I don't know if that was in the original Japanese or not. I can't remember. Uh, Samurai asks Misty, whom he calls Shrieking Maiden, if she's the Pokemon trainer from Pallet. She says no, and he says, well, then the search continues, and he tells her not to go around shrieking anymore because she's going to attract Beedrills. As I mentioned in an earlier podcast, we still thought that the plural of a Pokemon was obtained by adding an S or an ES. That changed, and we'll be getting the plural consistently right pretty soon, I hope. As Samurai walks away, Misty wonders out loud why he'd be looking for a trainer from Pallet. Then she suddenly realizes he must be talking about Ash. So Pidgeotto battles Weedle and weakens it. And just when Ash is about to zap it into his Pokeball, Samurai interrupts him to ask if Ash is the trainer from Pallet Town. Ash says yes, but he's a little busy right now. Samurai instantly pulls his samurai sword on Ash as Misty arrives, a little too late, to warn Ash about this kid. Samurai says he's not there to steal Pokemon, but he's there to challenge Ash to a Pokemon battle. While Ash is distracted by all this, the Weedle gets away. So he calls Pidgeotto back to its Pokeball, 
And again, we get a very quick glimpse of the inside of a Pokeball, which, if I remember correctly, is rare. Ash is angry about the Weedle getting away, and he blames the Samurai Kid. They trade some trash talk, and then they decide to battle. When Ash summons Pidgeotto, it just flops on the ground, totally tapped out and exhausted from its battle with Weedle. And Ash is dismayed, but Misty adds an important little piece of information when she asks Ash, don't you know Pokemon need to rest once in a while? And it's not clear from the way Ash responds that he knew that, that Pokemon don't get instantly, totally re-energized and restored in their Pokeballs. And this, uh, to me, is another significant gap in Ash's Poke knowledge, but obviously put in there by the Japanese writer as a kind of Pokemon teaching moment, especially for the kids who don't know the rules of the game. Ash battles with Pidgeotto anyway, and Samurai chooses his pincer, and Ash orders a sand attack, but it doesn't work on pincer. Ash calls Pidgeotto back, and Samurai anticipates victory until Ash calls on Metapod. Misty warns Ash that Metapod will get crushed, and even a bug doesn't deserve that. But just as Pinsir attacks, Ash commands Metapod to harden. Pinsir breaks the spikes of his pincers on the hardened Metapod, and Samurai quickly recalls it to his Pokeball. Ash gloats a bit, but Samurai surprises Ash by calling on his own Metapod. And what follows is a kind of Sergio Leone-type good, bad, and ugly standoff, although here there's two uglies, and it's more of a a back-off because the Metapod are facing away from each other. Apparently, Metapod is or was a pretty useless Pokemon, and just about the only thing it could do, in the early games at least, was harden. So they both just sit there. (laughs) The time lapse is indicated in the video by shifting shadows, and there's a comic shot of Pikachu and Misty in lounge chairs drinking tropical drinks, non-alcoholic, I presume, as lots of time passes. I read in one of the Pokemon sites about this episode that in the Hindi version of this, Misty was cut out because she's wearing a bikini which I guess was not up to local standards and practices in India. As the stalemate continues, we cut to Team Rocket advancing through the forest in what looks like a tank. We see Jesse and James through a little window, and Meowth is riding on top up above, and James is complaining, as he frequently does, and Jesse tells him to stop whining, and then we see they're not really in a tank, they're just carrying this kind of a shell of a prefab tank over them, cardboard, I guess it is, to protect them from stinging Beedrill. That's what they say. But also, as usual, Jessie isn't happy, and she asks why Meowth doesn't come down and help them carry this thing. And Meowth says that he's riding Lookout. And Jessie says, Lookout for this. And they knock him off the tank. That pun on Lookout and Lookout was not in the Japanese, I'm sure. And that was typical of the kind of thing I always tried to add into the dialogue and is also typical of the kind of thing that some people hated, which is their right, of course. 
Back at the battle, Ash and Samurai are commanding their Pokemon to harden to maximum hardness. And we see sweat dripping down their faces as the standoff continues. Misty comments that boys can be so stubborn. And in the next shot, both Ash and Samurai simultaneously keel over from the strain of powering up their Pokemon, I guess, through their willpower, I suppose. And Misty observes that the two boys are more hard-headed than their Metapods. Just then they hear something in the distance, and it turns out to be a swarm of Beedrill. And the Samurai quickly gets his Metapod back into its Pokeball. Ash checks his Pokedex, which tells him Beedrill is the evolution of Weedle, and it has a poisonous sting. Samurai tells Ash that the Weedle Ash failed to capture has informed the swarm, presumably to attack Ash, and the samurai flees. That's flees, F-L-E-E-S, not, you know, the other bugs. Before Ash can do anything, a beedrill swoops in and grabs his metapod. Ash tries to call it back to its pokeball, but the beedrill does some evasive maneuvers and avoids the callback. While Ash is focused on the metapod, he doesn't notice a nasty beedrill heading straight for him, ready to attack But to protect Ash, Pikachu uses his Thundershock, which electrifies the Beedrill and Ash. (laughs) And again, this is another very visually tamped down sequence. The Beedrill is fried and flies away. And Ash is also very woozy from the Thundershock. But Misty grabs him and they make a run for safety from the swarm of Beedrill. Misty, Ash, and Pikachu catch up to Samurai and they duck into some bushes, and the beedrill fly right past them. After a literal sigh of relief, they're stunned to discover a tree right in front of them that's teeming with these cocoon-like Pokemon called, appropriately, Kakuna, or, as Samurai calls them, Kakunas. Again, the wrong plural. Sorry. Ash's Pokedex explains that Kakuna are a transitional stage between Weedle and Beedrill. And I noticed when I was listening back to this episode that when the Pokedex first says the name Kakuna, it sounds different than the rest of the narration in this little section. Uh, At this point, the Pokedex was being voiced by an actor, Nick Tate, but it sounds like me saying the word Kakuna at the top. And... I don't exactly know or remember why that would have been. It's possible that the original Japanese Pokedex didn't say Kakuna at the top. Maybe it just, you know, went right into the description of it. And I or somebody at 4Kids may have felt that after we had recorded it initially, that we should put the name of the Pokemon right at the top to either, you know, sort of standardize the way the Pokedex would identify Pokemon or maybe to, you know, just reinforce or identify the name of the Pokemon to viewers, you know, so that they would get more familiar with each Pokemon or the merchandising or whatever. I I don't know. I don't know why that was. Just then, Ash shouts out that Metapod's over at the base of the tree from which all these Kakuna are hanging. Misty hushes him, but it's too late because their presence or Ash calling out seems to have triggered the Kakuna to evolve into Beedrill. They crack out of their shells and immediately go on the attack as Ash, Misty, and Pikachu 
and Samurai are on the run again. Luckily, after a short sprint, they come to Samurai's little log cabin, he says it's his, and they hustle inside and slam the door behind them, just as the bee drills stingers penetrate the door. So these things are really nasty. <laughs> I, I, I kind of got a kick out of this log cabin thing. Uh, again, not only is a 10 or 11-year-old kid totally on his own in the forest, dodging swarms of dangerous critters, but he's also a real estate owner, which is kind of impressive. Well, after all, he is a samurai. Samurai, who's been calling Ash a novice all along, says he hopes Ash has learned his lesson, that letting the Weedle escape almost cost them their lives. And this line, which I imagine I followed pretty closely from the Japanese translation, underscores an aspect of Pokemon or the Pokemon world that makes it clear that Pokemon are, or at least can be, a significant danger to humans, which, you know, is a little rough for a kid's show. And I'm not so sure this would get by now if it were for broadcast TV. I think, and I'm surprised that it wasn't changed to something that was less lethal sounding, but somehow it got by broadcast standards and practices. Again, Ash resents being called a novice, and he demands that Samurai take back calling him, Ash, a novice, which Samurai does. He says even a novice wouldn't have left his metapod behind like Ash did, compounding his original insult. Ash takes this very hard because I think he realizes it's true. Though, you know, from my point of view, in Ash's defense, he did try to save the Metapod. Misty grabbed him before he could do anything about it, and they all had to run for their lives. But Samurai keeps really rubbing this in, and he says that other trainers from Pallet wouldn't have been so irresponsible as Ash is. And this leads to an explanation of why Samurai was looking for a trainer from Pallet to begin with, you know, when he first met Misty. He explains he's had three matches, three really great matches, each one better than the previous one, with trainers from Pallet. And even though he lost all three, he learned a lot. And he's been searching for someone else from Pallet to battle because he's doubled his training since his losses and now feels that he'll finally be able to defeat a Pallet Town trainer. Obviously, Samurai is disappointed and dismissive of Ash's ineptitude, calling him a joke, especially because he's a trainer from Pallet Town. And this affects Ash. He really takes this hard. And that night, while Misty and Samurai and Pikachu are asleep in this little log cabin, Ash is wide awake, thinking about his lost Metapod. In the next scene, it's early morning. The Beedrill are sleeping in the tree where Kakuna are still hanging. And we see Ash's Metapod still at the base of the tree. Then we see Ash by himself quietly crawling through high grass, obviously on his way and determined to redeem himself and rescue Metapod. Suddenly the quiet's broken when Meowth lands on Ash's head. And Meowth asks if Ash knows what his favorite game is. And then there's a quick shot of red claw slashes and Meowth says that his favorite game, it's Scratch and Sniffle, as Ash has now red claw marks across his face, and he's howling in pain with tears flying out of his eyes. And uh, Scratch and Sniffle was my gag 
for better or worse. Again, complaints or comments, originalpokemon at gmail.com. In the next scene, we see Jesse and James up on a kind of a rock outcropping, sort of. And this is the first time we hear the whole prepare for trouble and make it double part of the motto. I don't think that that was my line, that I came up with that or translated that from the original Japanese. It could have been, I guess, I don't remember, and I'm not sure how I could reliably check that, but I'm fairly certain it that had nothing to do with me. I know that the other part, the rest of the motto, didn't have anything to do with me. I think, that's how I remember it. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, I'm, I'm just not sure. Anyway, Ash tries to quiet Team Rocket down because he knows what happens when the Beedrill get wakened. But Jesse and James and Meowth go ahead and recite their motto anyway. And after they do, there are explosions and puffs of colored smoke behind them, which I think happened with fair frequency in the beginning of the series. It didn't always, as I remember it. And of course, this does wake the Beedrill. Ash is determined to get his Metapod back this time, and he realizes that he may be able to make it past the Beedrill. So he dives past them, just in time for them to confront Jesse, James, and Meowth. They think they can protect themselves because they have their tank right nearby, but when they lift it, they see that a whole bunch of Weedle are chewing holes in it. And we learn they made it out of paper to make it lighter, and the Beedrill chase Jesse and James and Meowth off. Ash rushes over to Metapod, and he thinks they're safe now, and he tells Metapod to get into the Pokeball. But Metapod refuses, shaking its head no and saying, What else? Metapod. Metapod. In a powerful vocal performance by me. Another Beedrill appears, and Ash scoops up Metapod and runs, and as he does, he realizes Metapod is mad at him, is mad at Ash for abandoning him. Ash explains that he didn't abandon him, or it. He just got sidetracked, and that was all Samurai's fault. Just as he's saying this, Ash stumbles and falls, almost as if what he's just said has literally tripped him up. Ash now comes to a sad, shameful for him realization, and he admits it wasn't really Samurai's fault, that maybe if he, Ash, were a better trainer, he'd stop making excuses. Again, I think this is he's being too harsh on himself. But anyway, he then swears that he'll never run away and leave his friends again. Again, the friends and Pokemon thing, which we've seen in episode three. Then there's a tight Hushin shot on Metapod as his eyes start to vibrate with emotion. So he is obviously moved by Ash's remorse and his new vow. Just then, another Beedrill comes in to attack them. Misty, Samurai, and Pikachu show up with Samurai holding a big net over them, and he yells a warning to Ash to watch out for the Beedrill's twin needle attack. But just as the Beedrill is about to impale Ash, Metapod springs up. It's not really clear how, he doesn't have any legs or anything, and he clonks the Beedrill and saves Ash. The Beedrill flies away with a busted stinger that's been busted on Metapod's super hard carapace, I guess, and Ash cradles Metapod, worried that Metapod may be hurt. But suddenly a bright light bursts from Metapod, and it evolves into Butterfree. 
Actually, if you look closely at this, this is a little unusual for Pokemon, I believe, because Metapod doesn't actually transform into Butterfree, technically, but the Butterfree emerges from the Metapod shell. What happens to the carapace or carcass or corpse or whatever you want to call it of Metapod, we don't see. We didn't change the voice of Butterfree, the Japanese voice, because it sounded to me, and I guess it sounded to 4Kids and Nintendo, like it was pretty close to saying, free, free, and a lot of other squeaky little things. According to a website called the Original 151, the Japanese name of this Pokemon is Butafuri, which is a corruption of, obviously, the English word butterfly. It's actually a little more complicated than that. So for a fuller explanation, I'll put a link to the site, which I really like, in the original Pokeman page. Unfortunately, our heroes aren't out of trouble yet. More Beedrill appear, and Ash commands Butterfree to use its sleep powder. Not only does the sleep powder attack render the Beedrill unconscious, but Jesse, James, and Meowth get knocked out too. Ash literally jumps for joy, and Samurai is very impressed by Ash, finally. In the next scene, Samurai is with Misty and Ash and Pikachu, and he tells them that the road they're on will lead them to Pewter City. And Ash says, hey, we have to finish our match. But Samurai says that compared to Ash, he, the Samurai, is the novice. Samurai says he'll keep training, and one day he hopes they'll meet again, and Ash agrees. Misty wants them to promise, though, not to battle with Metapod versus Metapod, because that was a mind-numbingly boring match. She doesn't say that, but that's what she means. And Pikachu agrees. Now, this is the first episode in which it seems like there's an ending, but there are really two endings. This ending, the story of Ash and Samurai, and the video dips to black. But then the episode continues. In these early classic episodes of the early seasons, when Team Rocket's involved, there was almost always a little coda, a little epilogue that dealt with what happened to Team Rocket after the main action of the story. Sometimes it comes at the end. Sometimes it comes one scene before the end, I think. And I grew to hate this very quickly. Because when I was doing the adaptations, it would take me hours and days to adapt the scripts, trying to match the flaps, convey the story, get in all the technical information that the Japanese had put in there, you know, figuring out what the technical information was, and also to add what I felt were gags and to kind of liven it up a bit. I don't mean to put the original down, it's just that sometimes in the translation, those things simply don't translate. And there was also some back and forth in the early times, especially with four kids and Nintendo, I guess, especially about what we could say, what we could leave in, what we couldn't say, that kind of thing. So these scripts took a while. So when I would be sitting with this tiny, I guess it was like a combination TV monitor and VHS machine, using the remote to forward and pause and advancing and rewinding, you know, not frame by frame. I, I had to like zzz, stop and then redo it. Trying to get these lines to fit in the flaps and be funny and match. 
I would get to this point in an episode, it would go to black, and I would think, ah, finally finished with this thing. And then a second later, there would be one more scene with Team Rocket. I wanted to use an adjective there, but Team Rocket. And no matter how many times I thought or hoped or believed that I was done with the script, because I wanted to hope and believe and think that I was done, almost invariably, Team Rocket would come back and they would do something crazy and it would be hard to match flaps and it would have to be kind of funny or funny adjacent. (laughs) And I hated them for it. They ruined my life at that time. And this is a good example of one of those times. We left Team Rocket passed out from Butterfree's sleep powder attack, but now we go back to the tree where all the Kakuna are hanging, and we see that three of the Kakuna that are hanging are not Kakuna at all, but they're Jesse, James, and Meowth in fake cocoons that they made out of the tatters remains of their old cardboard tank. And James sarcastically asks Jesse if she has any more bright ideas. And Jesse says, well, at least I have ideas. And Meowth chimes in, yeah, they're all bad. <laughs> Kakuna and the Beedrill perk up at this. And we go out to a wide shot of the trees and lots of comic screams and yelps from Team Rocket, presumably being stung by the Beedrill. But fortunately or unfortunately, in my opinion, not fatally. Next time on Original Pokemon, I have no idea because I haven't rewatched episode 5 yet, but it's going to be great. And if you like the series, tell a friend. And if you don't have any friends, then stop listening to the series and go make some. Or just tell people randomly on the street. I don't think you can get arrested for that, although I don't know where you live. Maybe you can. In any case, write to me with your questions, comments, criticisms, corrections, or anything else you want to say at originalpokeman at gmail.com. That's originalpokeman with an M-A-N, at gmail.com. This is Michael Hegney. Thank you for listening. 